It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. So we're going through a little mini-series, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week uh, on prayer, and it's been rich. It's been very powerful. So uh, for those of you that are uh, via stream or uh, podcast, uh, you're going to need to look at the previous two episodes to catch up, but uh, I don't know. They're all sort of standalone, too, in their own right, but uh, together they make for a uh, quite the medley of, of, of power and triumph, so... Getting an understanding of prayer can have a transforming effect on your Christian life. Because many of us know the significance of prayer. We know it's valuable. We, we, we give a head nod to it. But we oftentimes have a struggle in engaging in it. And that's what's special about a time like this when we come together. And we create opportunity to practice this, to exercise this. And so that's what we're going to continue to do today. Uh, a special announcement uh, this morning if you follow our podcast, you'd see that we always number each one of our podcast episodes, and this is 50. And so, I, yeah, this is like, is that, what, what anniversary, if you get married, what's the, what's the 50-year anniversary? Is that the golden anniversary? So this is our golden anniversary edition <laughs> of Daily Thunder. Uh, the number 50 in Scripture is extremely significant. It, it would be like the number of Jubilee uh, and uh, Penta. Pentecost is 50th, and so you measure uh, from the day after Passover, you measure seven sevens, 49 days, and and the following day, uh, you have 50, and so the Pentecost is the 50th, it's the wheat harvest, and obviously some very significant stuff happened on the 50th uh, in the early church, where you have the gift and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so, hey, there's all sorts of exciting dimensions to this 50th episode. So I think you guys should be extra expectant today as we uh, discuss this, uh, just to see what God will do. So let's pray. Father, this is your time. May you receive glory, honor, and praise. I pray that you would instruct our souls. Train us, Lord, in how to pray and to exercise these truths, your grace, your life. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. All right, this one's called the whatsoever territory. Uh, and the word whatsoever is, is more of an old-fashioned uh, type of word, but you know, I, I use it uh, every now and then as well, and it's, it's a good one because the Bible says, whatsoever you ask in my name, believing, you will get, basically. So whatsoever, we need to know whatsoever is because some of us have asked and haven't received. And so maybe we're not asking in the whatsoever territory because God, when we hear whatsoever, that means whatever. Hey, I could ask for anything and it will be done. So God, make me float right now. Huh, is God not answering prayer? And so this is critical for our understanding and that's why I'm calling it the whatsoever territory. There is a territory in which in that territory, it, whatever we ask, we will be given. But many of us hang on the outskirts of that territory and can't figure out why God's not answering our prayer. We need to understand what the whatsoever territory is. So this is more of a review. While carrying the burden to Jesus' feet, expect hindrance. So remember those four that bore up uh, the man that was sick with the palsy? 
What did they run into? Hindrance. So here we have in Mark 2, this is a summary of what we went through yesterday. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So there's four people bearing this burden up. And you notice how I'm calling this man a burden, not because I'm trying to degrade him or denigrate him in any regard, but more to trigger something in our understanding of prayer. And that is that we are given burdens. God gives us insight. He gives us eyesight to see what is on his heart. He says, this man, get him to Jesus. And so what do we do? We as the church of Jesus Christ are willing to bear that burden and carry it to Jesus' feet. However, on the way there, what are we going to run into? Hindrance. We're going to run into things that want to slow us, that want to stop us. And there's various things that hinder us in the flow. So when they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, and when they could not come near unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. This is a profound picture. Because most of us are carrying a burden. We run into the crowd and we set down the burden. The first sign of difficulty and we set it down. But something is different about this story, which is why this, the, the cameras of scripture are going to zoom in and say, hey, watch this. These guys don't just stop, but they actually continue. This is a, an illustration of what I called yesterday fervent prayer. It is a deep desire. They have to get them to Jesus and this is the way a parent feels about a sick child that is about to die. They'll do whatever it takes. That's the way God wants us to carry the burdens he gives to us. He wants us to parent them, if you will. He wants us to feel that kinship with what burdens his heart. If it breaks his heart, it should break ours. If it brings him anguish, it should bring anguish to us. And so we're the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet to lift up these burdens and to carry them. But we're going to run into obstacle. And when we do, what do we do with that? We continue. We press through, even though people are like, I think it's, it's, you should just set it down here. I don't know how you would get in. Look at the crowd. Well, we could go up there. Oh, you can't go up on a roof. How are you going to get that up on a roof? That even, I mean, could you imagine lifting that burden up on the roof? That's even heavier. And you get it up on the roof, and now you've got another problem. Roof doesn't just, they don't just naturally have holes in them. I don't think they had skylights, uh, sunroofs back then. You know, they just sort of prop open. And so they have to break through the roof. I mean, then you've got the problem of actually lowering them down. I mean, there's a lot of challenge in this. A lot of reasons to give up. However, there's something very, very precious about persistent prayer. And God seems to go out of his way to say, that's what I'm looking for. That will change the world. You want to get that bread from the neighbor? Then you knock. And you knock, and you knock, and you knock until he opens up. And then God says, I am the neighbor. Keep going after me. Don't let go of me. The way Jacob wrestled with the man of God and he didn't let go until the breaking of day, that's what I want you to do. Until the door opens and the bread is in your hand, you don't stop. Like the persistent widow, you hold on, you nag, you nag, you nag until you get it. It's so funny because like I said yesterday, all three of these illustrations translate to us as extreme rudeness and discourtesy. And yet God is saying, this is how you go after the things of heaven. So it is a persistence. It is a perseverance. Or another word, old-fashioned word that you can use, I like it, is importunity. You do not relent until you get that burden to the feet of Jesus. So now we're going to transition into this whatsoever territory. 
hitting the sweet spot in prayer. So many of us, you know how the word for sin is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. And same thing happens in prayer, where there's this huge bullseye uh, out there or a dartboard out there. And it's like, this is the whatsoever territory. And God says, you know, even if you don't hit the bullseye, just hit the, hit the dartboard. Just, it's this territory. Anything that hits in this territory, you'll get. And so I'm going to call that the sweet spot. That God has defined a territory, or um, to use the word dartboard really sounds like a denigration of God's uh, majesty, but he's set a territory out and he says, look, I want you to aim your prayers in this direction. If you're hitting in this direction, you get it. So please ask in accordance with my will right here. Then you're going to get it, okay? So I'm going to call that hitting the sweet spot in prayer or also known as the whatsoever territory. In Matthew 21, 22, whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. And of course, many of us trip over that because we think whatsoever means whatever I think of, whatever I have a whim or an imagination for, whatever I have a yearning for. Because there's two ways you could pray. One is in the flesh, and the other is in the spirit. And if you pray Adam prayers, you're not going to get what you're asking for because what you're asking for is to strengthen Adam as opposed to when you ask Christ-born prayers, spirit-born prayers, what are you doing? You're asking for something that will strengthen truly the spiritual man and the glory of God. And so many of us can still function in our praying over in a natural man's state. We're not esteeming the things of heaven. We're not after the things of heaven. So what we're asking for actually harms our life. He's a good father. If my kids just ask for you know, a tub of ice cream every night, no. And yet I love to give my kids good things. I'm not even against them having a little ice cream. Not a tub, okay? It's like, no, that you're asking wrongly. And so, but when they ask properly, Daddy, could we pray for that person across the street that doesn't know Jesus? What do you think Daddy's gonna say to that? Of course. In other words, the answer is yes. It's a prepackaged yes. My answer, I could just tell you right now to all my kids, yes. My kids, I have had a, had a rule since they were little. If they ever ask for me to pray for them, the answer is yes, which many of them have taken advantage of too. It's like I'll pray for them for bed and I'm walking out. Daddy, could you pray for me again? <laughs> all right, okay. In other words, it's in my predecided yes territory, okay? This is in Joshua chapter 1, right in the beginning, okay? Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So God is basically giving what I'm going to call a whatsoever territory. And he says, whatsoever your feet shall tread upon, it's yours. Okay, so we could say, wow, you could go anywhere. Just, and just stick your feet somewhere. Yes, it's yours. You're bringing in an inheritance. God's saying, take, take that inheritance. But that whatsoever, ter that whatsoever territory doesn't include uh, Ethiopia. It doesn't include Japan. It doesn't include Hungary. What does it include? A very specific territory. 
And within that territory, as you just heard defined, anything that they stick their foot upon is theirs. Okay, you follow me? This is the same with the New Testament. In other words, God is saying the same statement. Wheresoever your foot shall tread in prayer, in faith, believing, you will get. However, he also defines the territory. He says anywhere in here. It's the whatsoever territory. In the Old Testament, it was called the land of promise or the promised land. That's the land of promise. This is where God has given promise. And anywhere your foot treads in that land of promise, it's yours. So what is it for us? Well, it's the same thing. It's the land of promises. In other words, God has given us promises. And any of those promises that we stick our spiritual foot on, we can have if we ask believing. Okay, so what you see is a pattern, Old Testament to New. The whatsoever territory is defined. It is referred to as the land of promise. So what I would like to do is, many of us have stumbled in prayer because we hear the whatsoever promise and then we've asked, but we have not received. That's a little confusing, isn't it? And this is part of, remember when I talked about fact, faith, and experience? You know, the secret to Christianity is following the fact, the truth, Jesus Christ. And in, we're, we're in the faith position. As long as faith follows fact or follows the truth, follows Christ, follows his word, then it gains balance and literally lives an impossible life. But there's something that is oftentimes behind us known as experience, emotion, and it's always clamoring. And many of us, when it comes to prayer, have a clamoring voice behind us. It says, but what if? I have tried that and I didn't see. And it's making a lot of noise. So God gives us a promise and then we hesitate to go after it with strength and gusto. Why? Because well, we have some experience back here that is telling us beware, beware, beware. And so for us afresh, as the church of Jesus Christ, I want you to ratify in your soul that you are a believer. I believe the word of God. I believe what he says, and I'm going after it. And I don't care what my past has said. I don't care what my experiences have been. I know that God is a God who delights to answer prayer. Now, the reason I'm going to go through this is because there is explanation for why prayers don't get answered. And I have different messages that I'll give throughout this semester on that too. Like for instance, there is one called the two-sided ticket, which if anyone even via uh, the podcast or stream wants to pursue that, but it goes into understanding of when we receive a no from a God that promises to say yes. Whoa. That seems a little confusing, doesn't it? And that's what I call the two-sided ticket. It's actually a greater answer. I'm just, that's, that's my hint towards you. If God ever says no, it's because he's given you a greater yes. Okay, I just gave away, I mean, so much right there. But let it just suffice to say that that's how God works because he promises to say yes. Oh, he still says yes. He just says a greater yes, okay? Just as a quick illustration, I don't want to give too much away on something that's going to be unpacked later. The disciples are in the boat uh, in, the, in the midst of a storm. The boat is filling up with water. It actually says in one of the gospel accounts their lives were in jeopardy. Okay, these are fishermen. They're used to being on the water. So if they're scared, it has to be pretty bad. Would you agree with that? I mean, these guys lived on the water. So I can understand why we would all be scared, but these guys are fishermen, tough fishermen. And they're scared for their lives. Jesus is sleeping. They make a request of Jesus the same one that says, ask whatsoever you will and it will be done for you. Same one. 
And I could teach you what I could call the doctrine of yes. God so clearly makes it, uh, I mean, vivid in Scripture. You ask, you get. You ask, my answer is yes. You ask in faith, believing, yes, is my answer. So the disciples ask. What are they asking from Jesus to do? What do they want from him to help them bail water? We need help. All men on deck. All men active duty. We're sinking. Jesus, we need you to help us. What do they mean? Help us get water out of the boat. He says no. Okay, you, you follow me? It's a two-sided ticket. He says no. He doesn't help them one. He didn't pick up a bucket at all. Jesus, how rude is that? It was a good request. Because he's frying bigger fish. He says to the storm, peace, be still. You see, his yes is much bigger. When God says no, it's because he's answering a bigger prayer. He's doing something far grander. You need to always remember your God is trustworthy. So let's walk through six things that hinder prayer. Because this is what the Bible says. The same Bible that says he's going to say yes also says that, okay, and if you're not receiving an answer to your prayer, it's probably because of this. So number one. If your prayer is born of the flesh, or it comes out of Adam, if it is of a natural man disposition, God makes it very clear. No, I, I can't answer that. You ask and receive not, it says in James, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. If what you are asking for is only going to strengthen your life of sin, do you blame God for saying, no, that's not what prayer is used for. Prayer is used to gain the purchase of the cross and bring it to this earth, which is to, which is to build strong the new man, not the old man. So if you're asking to strengthen the old man, that isn't what prayer has anything to do with. Okay, so no is the answer. You're not going to get it if you're asking amiss. That's not in the dartboard territory. So that's not something you're supposed to stick your foot on and say, hey, it's mine. No, God doesn't strengthen old life. He saves you from it. So if you ask to be saved from the old life, now, now you're talking, okay? Now that's the sort of prayer God's going to be able to answer. Number two, I mean, of course, this sounds like the first one. It's errant, which means it's missing the mark. It is not in agreement with God. It is not in the whatsoever territory. So it's not in alignment with God's nature. So God's nature is clearly revealed in Scripture. If you're asking something that would force him to violate his nature, no. It's not in accordance with his will. His will is clearly established in his word. If you're asking him to violate what his entire purpose and will is here in this earth, no. He's not going to do that. Okay? If, you if you ask him to make uh, you know, the, the Antichrist victorious in the end, no. Okay, you follow me? In other words, oh, I thought I could ask whatsoever. No, within the territory of promise, within the territory of his will, within the territory of his nature. He cannot violate who he is. He is, he's unchanging. And so let's make sure we build upon the realities of who he is. So in 1 John 5, it talks about this, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So you see that there's a condition in there. If we ask anything in the whatsoever territory, in accordance with his will. So that's why we need to know the territory. 
if we know the territory of promise, and the New Testament calls it exceeding great and precious promises, if we ask in that territory, it's a slam dunk, guys. This is what God delights to do. Number three, if we are wavering and unsure, this is the concept of diacrino. For those that are listening via podcast, you missed our uh, first uh, teaching on Monday on faith, uh, but that'll bait you to maybe come to Ellerslie someday. Uh, but the concept of being wavering from, you could say, okay, God, I'm with you. I believe you. Oh, devil, what do you have to say on that? Oh, you have a really good argument, oh, devil. And we waver like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. You see, if you waver and if you don't stand firm in your faith believing, listen to what it says in James 1. But let him ask in faith. When you pray, make sure your praying is done as a believer. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You see, faith is the passport, guys. It's the key that unlocks the door to the answer. So as a result, this is one thing that actually hinders prayer, is to be wavering and unsure. Did God say it or not? Do you believe him? Can you trust him? Number four, living in disobedience and impurity. You see, when we violate the word of God, when we live contrary to it, it actually hinders our functionality in the kingdom of heaven. Just like if you were trying to water the plants and you put a kink in your hose, what's going to happen? You're going to have a tough time watering your plants. No water's coming out because you actually are in diso- the, the hose is, is kinked. It is not as it ought to be. And the same thing happens in the flow of prayer through our life. If we allow disobedience or impurity to enter, it blocks, it kinks creates a stoppage to the flow of what God can do. In Isaiah 1, there's actually quite a few different things for each of these that I could be bringing up, but we're making it simple. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, there we are, we're making many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So if you are walking in disobedience, God says, I can't hear that. I can't respond to that. Guys, let's deal with first things first. If you're bringing your uh, gift to the altar and you have something wrong in your relationship with your brother, go deal with that. Then come. In other words, it's first things first. When we're living in obedience to the Holy Spirit, we allow him to convict us. And if there's something that's standing in the way, before you take communion, for instance, deal with it. Let God bring it to the surface and address it. Unkink the hose, then water the plants. It's that proper order. You're coming into a time of prayer and he convicts you, okay? Deal with that right now. Let's respond to what the Spirit of God is doing and that clears the pathway for a powerful prayer life. Number five, lack of heavenly honor. I haven't taught you guys about honor yet, but honor, if we were to have a a special uh, edition of Ellerslie, what we could do is, is hire a flying bus that, and just have it pull up in front here, and then all of us are like, okay, guys, let's get on. Uh, and so we all get on this bus. It's like a field trip, uh, which is, this sounds fun. Doesn't it sound fun to go on an Ellerslie field trip? And this bus flies up into the heavenly realms, 
and we're able to see in the heavenly realms, we're able to uh, come into the kingdom of heaven, and there's the heavenly temple right there. We're like, whoa, and we all get off, and I'm like, hey guys, you got about 30 seconds, you know, before we have to get back on. You're like, 30 seconds, okay, we're running. And we run, and we, we come into the temple, and we just stand in awe. Do you smell it? Do you see its cleanliness? Do you see its order? Do you see its beauty? I mean, the presence of God, where he lives, is everything that he is. Okay, so you got a snapshot, then we get back on the bus, we come back here and we all sit down again. And then we review. What did we see? We start going over what we saw. What I would say is, do you know that you are the temple of the living God? And the way that God keeps his house up there is the way he wants you to keep your house here. In other words, how does he keep his house? Well, that's how he wants to keep you. So as a result, I'm gonna call that honor. I'm gonna say it's the behavior of the life. It's the essence of how someone chooses to live. And so a man being a man, that's honor. A woman being a woman, as a woman ought to be, that is honor. So it's an honorable woman or an honorable man. They are a man or a woman that is built after the pattern of the heavenly. Yeah, sort of like that. Okay, so... When we lack that heavenly honor and we live in disagreement with the pattern, it actually hinders our praying. Now listen to this in 1 Peter. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. That's just a fascinating statement. If you're married... Uh, your wife could bring up this uh, scripture every now and again. Uh, and it's good. It's actually a very good reminder because there is a necessity to live in an understanding way with the wife. That's honor. That's how a man ought to be. And when he is that way, when he's living in an understanding way, there's a free flow of his praying. But when he doesn't, it actually hinders his ability to communicate with God. So it matters. Number six, lack of abiding. So like I said, in John 15, it talks about the abiding branch. And so this branch, which has no ability to produce fruit in and of itself, yields itself unto that vine. And as long as it remains in that vine, it's going to bear fruit. That sap will enter into it, turn it green and limber, and then it will start to bud. And I mean, all sorts of good stuff. And grapes will form, and clusters of grapes will form, and they'll get bigger and bigger with every passing year. So if we ever disconnect from the vine and we live with a selfish bent, we live with a I can do this type of attitude, I don't need the vine, how do you think that's going to affect your praying? So it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So what we have is a promise that if we abide, he answers. If we abide, what we ask for is going to happen. And so that is why when we don't, we obviously are seeing a breakdown. All right, guys, so what we're going to do is we're going to transition uh, now, and uh, I just want to finish right now with just a prayer for all of this that we've brought up over the past three days, and just that God would begin to bring it into a nutshell for us where we can grip it truly in our life. Father, I pray that you would consolidate all of this, 
that all of these grand thoughts would begin to be knit together for us and collated in our, in our soul, that we would know how to implement well, truly how to grow in grace and demonstrate the power of God. Lord, if there's anything that is hindering us in prayer, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show us and that we would move it out of the way so that we can begin to function in the whatsoever territory and that we would stick the foot of our confidence and our faith on these precious promises and gain them in this natural realm. Lord Jesus, we love you and trust you and submit to you. Amen. All right. So, did you notice how I had the blank slide in there? Uh, I don't know if that helped. Did it help you guys on your end? It st- still sort of shocked me when I came to it. It's like a little abrupt. I need a, a, I need a, conclusion, a conclusion slide in there. Uh, every time, last three days, like, uh, I get a little whiplash. Okay, guys. So, so far... I'm going to just do a quick review on what we've covered so far. Participatory prayer tools. Praying individually but corporately is what we started out with on Monday. Which is the concept of while we are praying, we're always praying. We're not just praying in the sense of, oh, one person's praying over here, so this is my time off. Okay, we had a workout this morning in the chapel, and it was... You know, if I'm running, then my partner is recovering. And then when I get back, I recover, he runs, right? So that's, that's nice. That's not what we're doing, okay? So in other words, we're all running at the same time, but one person might be the one yelling out, uh, what's, what's one of those army statements? I used to know the songs. Yeah, that one person might be yelling it out, okay? And so... Though one person prays, we all pray. And then at times, you know, we've experimented with it, where we all pray individually, but all at once. I love it. It's really beautiful. And I don't know what it, we haven't had any debriefing time with you guys, because at first, things like that can feel a little strange. But at the same time, it's beautiful. The cacophony of sound that comes when everyone is is in faith praying and proclaiming and, and asking. I mean, it's just wonderful. And then I gave the the statement yesterday, pray like a man. In other words, pray with feistiness. Pray with fervor. Pray with manfulness. This is something that has to be done. It's a heavy weight, but I want you to lift it with an oomph. So now I'm going to add two more. Okay, so we're going to add in two tools uh, today. Letting God take the lead. At first, this is going to sound maybe a little... mm, I was going to use the word enigmatic, but that seems like a very big word. Uh, very cloudy or foggy of an idea. Like it might not make total sense at first, but if we were to review this in the weeks and the months to come, it would make a lot more sense. You see, if you're used to leading your own life and making your own decisions and just sort of asking God to bless them, then it seems a little strange when you suddenly say, What do you mean letting God take the lead? That means in every time you approach the scriptures, and every time you approach prayer, and every time you approach a conversation, every time you approach a teaching, like for instance, this morning, okay, who do I want to take the lead? Am I going to be in control or is God? And sometimes God will test that by asking me to do things and to give up my whole message that I just prepared, just to sort of test where I'm at. Eric, are you in control or am I in control? You see, the key is letting God lead, which means we can have a plan, but he can overrule it. He's in control. And when it comes to praying, we don't just pray whatever, you know, we brainstorm. 
It's like, okay, what, what should I pray for? Well, I need money. I need, uh, you know, I need blessing. I need, you know, my kids, to, you know, to be healthy. None of those things are bad. However, to come into a time of prayer and say, God, give us your burdens. Give us what is on your heart. And God can steer it any way he desires. So if you've ever been in a prayer time just led by God, I mean, you could be praying for people on the other side of the world that you've never heard of before, a guy named Charles, and you just feel a burden for him. How did you know about that? Well, the Spirit of God has a way of leading us. And so that's his business, and that's the point. It's his business what we pray about. Technically, have you ever heard the statement of, I know you have, but Jesus comes into the temple, turns over money changers' tables. And what does he say about the temple of God? He says, this is my father's house. It's meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. Okay, so this is, the temple is truly Jesus Christ. If you really want to cut down to it, it's the body of Christ. But speaking of Jesus' body, you tear down this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. But the temple of which he spoke was his body. Who is the house of prayer for all nations? Jesus. What's your position? You're in the house of prayer for all nations. And then you become, because you enter into the house of prayer for all nations, Jesus enters into you. So as a result, he's shaping you into the temple of God. The same model. You become the body of Christ. You become the temple, the house of prayer for all nations. Not just for your own issues, all nations. So how do we pray for all nations? We need God to give us burden. We need to care about things that we would not normally care about. And that's part of what it means to let God take the lead. The Holy Spirit is very interested in leading us in our praying. The second, or this is the fourth one, but the second one today. Note the burden, carry the burden. So when you have a burden, carry it. So for instance, you're walking along. I remember one guy sharing this. This, this will mess up your life now, once, I, once I tell it to you because it, it sort of messed up my life. But he said, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out the will of God, but if you're walking down the street and you see a pile of trash just sitting on the sidewalk, well, there's the will of God for you. Pick the crazy stuff up. And I tell you what, I've walked by trash, and then I'm stopped. I'm like, oh, great. All right. And I pick up the trash. So it'll probably mess you up, too. But the point is, when you're going through life and you see the man sick with the palsy, and you feel that, God's like, <clears throat> what should you do? Note it. Say, okay, God's given you a burden. What should you do? Well, that's heavy. Carry it. In other words, when he assigns you a burden, say yes. And he can assign you burdens. That's the point. He loves to do this. this is, remember, this is the man who makes intercession always at the right hand of the Father. He is burdened for souls. He is burdened for the church of Jesus Christ. He's burdened for the lost and dying. He's burdened for the orphan and the widow. He's burdened. Are you? Well, maybe not yet. But when you enter into his presence and say, God, burden me for what burdens you, he'll show you as you're going through your prayer time, a burden. What should you do when you get a burden? Well, pick it up. And how long should you carry it? Uh, and don't let the crowd stop you. Don't let the roof stop you. Get that burden to the feet of Jesus. When he assigns you a burden, care for that burden. Take that burden where he asks you to take it. This is sort of dangerous, isn't it? 
I remember Jackie Pullinger. This is another quote that will sort of mess you up. <laughs> I have a lot of things that could really mess you up here. Jackie Pullinger worked in the walled city of Hong Kong for 50 years. I don't know if any of you guys remember how long it was, but uh, the police wouldn't even go into the walled city of Hong Kong. It was so bad, so degraded. And so uh, gangs ruled it. It was mob rule. I mean, it's just a dangerous place. And this young girl goes in with the love of Jesus. I mean, her stories are so utterly profound of what changed in people's lives and what she saw as far as the miraculous, the power of God, because she simply said yes to, to God's lead. I mean, it's just profound. But this is one thing she said. First of all, she had an uncanny ability to tell if someone was poor because she'd been around the poor her entire life now. You know, and she's like 60. She comes back to the United States and she could sense when someone was poor. She just knew it. She knew a poor person. Even if they were trying to act like they weren't, she knew. And uh, one of the things she said is, if you ever read the paper or hear the news and you hear of someone in need and you hear of a circumstance, don't ever think that God may be making you the only one that is hearing that. And so as a result, are you willing to carry it as a burden? I don't ever want to watch the news or read the newspaper again. You know, I'm scared that God's going to burden me with too much. He knows what you can handle. But are you willing to allow God's burdens to be your burdens? Have you ever read Cross of the Switchblade? David Wilkerson opens up, what was it, Time Magazine? And there's this trial in New York of these gang boys, and he just, he, he had a burden. And he's like, God, what does that have to do with me? I'm a country preacher in Pennsylvania. And God would not let, it off, let him off the hook. He had a burden. So the next thing you know, he's going to New York to see if he can reach out to these boys that are in prison and, and on trial. He never once saw the boys in his entire life. He never was able to reach them. He tried, 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 but he ended up reaching, who knows, hundreds of thousands of gang members, millions. I mean, he changed so many lives, but it was that one step of heeding and carrying a burden. God will lead us in our life, but burden is one of the ways he does. Some are obvious, like a man dying on the side of the road. What should you do? Help him. Some are obvious. Some are not so obvious. Sometimes God gives us a burden for someone that looks perfectly healthy on the outside. But he says, that person needs me. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellersley campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.